Monday, everyone. Welcome to the third hour of Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I want to remind everybody that before each show, I talk about books that have just been released and that are out there. For anybody who wants to post on my website or on my Facebook page, you're welcome to do that. But I'm going to mention a couple books in particular. Um, my first, our guest was Chris Kuzneski, whose new book, The Malta Escape, is now out. My second hour guest was Eve Wing. Her book, Chasing Rainbows, New York City, is out. My friend Tim Hallinan has a new book out, a new junior bender book called Nighttown. You've got to check it out. And also my other friend, Bo Johnson, has just released his second collection of short stories. And um, it is magnificent. It's a great read. I hope that you all go and get a copy. It's called The Big Machine Eats. Um, tonight, uh, we have a very special group of people uh, here in the studio. Um, I've always been curious about audiobooks. Um, I remember when my mom was sick, I could get books on tape because she wasn't well enough to read. She couldn't focus well enough. Since I started reading, there's been an explosion of all these different ways that we can consume books, regardless of what genre we like, fiction or nonfiction, uh, you know, whether it's genre or literary, bi- bios or memoirs. Um, it used to be you had just the classic books. You had a hardcover or you had a paperback book. And you could only get books in bookstores. Or you could go to a magazine's place or a newspaper stand and maybe get books on a spinning wheel. Uh, since that time, I think, love them or not, Amazon has made a big difference in the way we get our books uh, through e-readers, through um, online sales, and also through audiobooks. And I have to say, I have never been a fan of listening to books listening to books. Um, I find that my mind wanders too much. I can't concentrate on the story. Uh, And particularly if I'm driving, I have too many other things I'm thinking about. Um, When I'm at home, I'm, I'm consuming one book after the other, either on one of my five Kindles, which are designated by genre or in the 2000 books that I have in my library. Tonight, my panel are a panel of experts. I want to introduce you first to Kevin Pierce, who is an audiobook narrator. Welcome to Authors on the Air, Kevin. Thanks, Pam. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Um, I also want to introduce you to Penny Jones, who is an author herself. Penny is a voracious reader, of uh, a listener, I should say, of audiobooks. Penny, welcome. Thank you, Pam. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Um, I also want to introduce you to the man who created Noir at the Bar. Uh, Peter Rosalski is um, an avid reader. He's a, a fantastic photographer, and he's also a copy editor. And he reads books for in audio. He claims for a different reason. We'll see. Welcome to Authors on the Air, Peter. Thanks. Uh, my next guest is Dr. Natasha Bajima. Natasha is um, an expert with the Defense Department on weapons of mass destruction. She is an author and will soon be hosting a podcast in this network. She also loves audiobooks. Welcome to Authors on the Air, Natasha. Thanks, Pam. Great to be here. Thank you. And last but never least, my friend Tori Eldridge, who is a writer of fiction and nonfiction. She is a, an actress, a singer, a dancer. She is also a ninja and was a ninja instructor. 
Uh, she also has one of the most mindful and thought-provoking podcasts I've ever heard, and it happens to be in our network. I'm glad to welcome to the show Tori Eldridge. Hi, Tori. Hey, Pam. Great to be here. Thank you. So we're going to start with Peter and then take it wherever we want to. Um, what's the appeal of audiobooks, Peter? Well, the appeal is that, well, uh, for me, the, the first appeal was functional. Um, I had about a year and a half ago cataract surgery on both eyes. And wow. there's they, they don't do both eyes at the same time. They wait a couple right. of weeks. So right. I had about a two-week period when I had one good eye and one bad eye. And it, I didn't want to read with one eye open, one eye shut. So I came sure. to audiobooks uh, by just by force of circumstance. And the appeal, the appeal briefly, uh, are ease and that it's, it's a cool medium. I rapidly uh, grew to compare uh, audio books to television. Uh, you mentioned your mind wanders. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. That's an acute observation, but that can be a decided uh, plus, I will often listen to an audiobook of a book that I've read already, and I can drift in and out. I can listen while I'm falling asleep. So it doesn't replace reading. If you had to rank the experience, I'd put uh, reading ahead. But it's you know, television is does not take second place to movies just because one is a hot medium, one is a cool medium. Audiobooks uh-huh. are like that for me. Interesting. Um, let's talk to Penny about this. Penny, why did you why do you read audiobooks? I think it started um, because a few years ago I had a, a very mild car accident where a piece of wood flew off a truck and hit my car like head oh on. But everything was fine. Oh. Like everything turned out fine. There was some mild damage. I didn't I didn't crash into anything. I handled it really well, but. I kind of have a, like an underlying anxiety now when I'm driving. And it mm-hmm. seems like if I have an audiobook going, I'm calm. And I don't, because you know, when you're a calm driver, you're a better driver. So it's almost like I need sure. that distraction to be a better driver. And so that's what started it. And honestly, I love it because when I'm listening to a book, I don't get as frustrated with being stuck in traffic or with um, a drive that you know is just taking longer than it should be for any reason because I'm I'm enjoying the book and so it's fine. Interesting, um, Tori. Yeah. You are a consumer of books just the way I am. You you read everything and you love to listen <laughs> to audio books. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides being a writer, what made you decide to to go to audio? Oh gosh, I find them immersive and riveting. I'm also a chronic multitasker, so when I've got an audiobook on, I can cook, I can clean, I can work out, I can wander about the house, I can fold laundry, I can go on hikes. I do a lot of hiking. Uh, so I am always listening to and reading two different books all the time, at least. It's interesting to me. Um, and I guess if I was hiking... Maybe I'd want to do that. I don't, you know, uh, you, you know, you and I have met, you know, I don't hike. Um, it's 
I, everyone has said to me, well, you can listen in your car when you travel across the state. I live in Florida, so from going from the West Coast to the East Coast is usually about a two-and-a-half-hour drive. Um, I think because that's a quiet time for me, that's really the only quiet time I have. I, I just can't get focused on it. So, Peter, you made a really good observation, and you said, you know, you it doesn't substitute for reading, but it enhances the story. And I do believe that when you listen to something versus uh, just visually consuming it, it registers in a different part of your brain. So I think that's why I like to read books out loud that are particularly good. I will, I will read sections that I think are particularly well-written. So, so I want to go to Kevin Pierce, who is our audiobook narrator. First of all, Kevin, will you tell us how did you get started with this? There's kind of two paths or two real common paths into um, audiobook narration and production, and it's either through uh, broadcasting, TV and radio, or through theater. Um, mm-hmm. And they're very different. They're very different paths, and they produce a very different um, sort of essence in, in, in the way you approach work. Um, I came mm-hmm. from both. I was primarily my 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 career was in broadcasting in, in radio and television, um, but mm-hmm. I had I, I had some theater back there as well. So when uh, when the opportunity came to um, you know, audition for uh, my first book, I I, I knew I, uh, I I had done lots of film narrations, uh, documentaries, and I, and I felt mm-hmm. I had the the long form is what we call it in 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 the voice business. Um, mm-hmm. I felt that I had that long form ability. Um, <laughs> I don't think I had the full appreciation of just how long form uh, we were going to be talking about, but the uh, that sure. was the, the, the first. The first shot at it, and um, and I liked it, and and um, it's uh, it's been very good for the past you know six or seven years for me. Um, Four hundred something books narrated, and and oh my God, this, this is this is what I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what I do now. It's amazing, Natasha. Why do you listen to audiobooks? Well, um, I my day starts at five a.m. and it stops around nine and 9 p.m. and I work a full day I write in my free time and I didn't I found myself not having any time to read anymore and um, but I have two two and a half hours uh, about 90 minutes of that is commute and the other hour is walking my dog where um, I could add to that space and um, so I first started listening to podcasts and that kind of trained me on the paying attention and not letting my mind wander problem. But there are times when I just need to think and have quiet time. But um, when I don't need that quiet time, I can actually multitask during that two and a half hours and get a lot of reading done. And so it's absolutely transformed my, my life in the last year and a half. So here I have some really simple questions, not knowing anything about audiobooks. Um, what is the price of audiobooks versus, um, say, an ebook? Tori? Well, there are a lot of different ways. Uh, Audible.com uh, 
that's you know the the main platform they have a membership so you mm-hmm. you sign up for a membership that gives you every month either one credit two credits three credits and with mm-hmm. a credit you can buy any book you want and of course you know the price changes for the membership based on how many you want in addition to that um you know, some things go on sale. So you could have an audio book if you were just buying it flat out that could be as high as, you know, like a hard book, you know, hardback book. Really? Up in the high 20s. Or wow. could be as inexpensive as uh, an ebook on sale. Uh, and so sometimes they also have these things called daily deals. Um, they have specials where you can, you know, get two for the price of one, all sorts of things like that. So it varies. Interesting. Um, oh, there's also uh, another thing where if you buy an ebook, um, you can uh, frequently augment that with a uh, fraction of the cost of an audiobook. So then, if you have devices that are synced, you can go back and forth between reading and listening. So if you were laying in bed, you could read it, and then if you wanted to stay with the book and you were cooking, for instance, you could listen right. to it and just keep going. It's interesting, um, Peter. Um, let me ask you this about audiobooks. What is the downside to listening to books, uh, to audiobooks? The downside uh, is the same as the upside. They're a cool medium. They don't mm-hmm. compel attention. Uh, so, I mean, the way you get around that, if I am listening to an audiobook that I have not previously read, as a printed book, I, I can't do the multitasking. I can't be commuting the way some of the other people, uh, mm-hmm. you know, talked about, uh, because it's so easy to drift in and out. Uh, the, the attention that comes naturally to reading, you have to force yourself to do when you're listening to an audiobook. And then there are the just the things that are features that are a function of the medium. It's, 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 you can't, as far as I know, search, you know, you remember you read that interesting passage two days ago. You can't Mm -hmm. remember if it's chapter 22 or 31 or something. It's a lot harder to do that. So it's, Ah. I guess like television, it's, it's an enforced passivity that you just don't have when you read. You're much less, in control with an audiobook than you are with a book book. Uh, you know, it, it, remembering that you are a copy editor, um, when you're reading a book book, like you say, whether it's an ebook or, or a printed book, do you look at mistakes and do you notice mistakes, even if you're reading for pleasure, mistakes in punctuation or storyline or things like that? And, Whereas with your listening, you wouldn't notice that. But do you notice those things when you're reading? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And that that falls into, well, there are two types of observations. Uh, one is that listening to audiobooks has just forced me to come to terms with regional pronunciations, with mispronunciations. And just moving on from there, 
uh, you know, there was one pronunciation. It was a, a history of, you know, an early history of uh, post-colonial America. And uh-huh. the audiobook reader kept referring to England, New England, which drove me over the edge. I mentioned <laughs> it to a friend who said that that's part of the way she speaks. I began to notice in subsequent books that other authors use that pronunciation, but it stuck out all the more in the first case because the reader's or performer's or narrator's accent was in every other respect unexceptionable to me. So it stuck out. So I've had to accommodate myself to that. I've had to realize that when you're listening, when you're talking to somebody, you've got all kinds of visual cues when you're yes. listening, so you might not notice an odd pronunciation. With audiobooks, it's forced upon you. The other it's thing interesting. is one yeah, will occasionally, yeah, sure, and one will occasionally notice a little patch that was obviously recorded later. The quality of the sound mm-hmm. is slightly different, and, and mm-hmm. I always assume that that was some, a result of the audiobook equivalent of of. Uh, proofreading, and, and I mentioned it yeah. actually yeah. to yeah, yeah to yeah. Uh, Peter Burkrot, who is who's a good narrator of audiobooks, and he said no, uh, proofreading can be done and can always be unobtrusively patched in. He must be using some better systems than I listen to, and it's usually it's not obtrusive, but you know notice it. It's definitely uh, there. There is an audio equivalent to proofreading, and I'm such a pain in the neck that I pick up on these. Little things, little glitches, no matter what medium I'm, I'm in. So, Penny, let me ask you this. Um, do When you listen to an audiobook, is it generally just one narrator, or will there be more than one narrator of the story? Most of them are just one, but there are a few. Um, I listened to Just Between Us by Rebecca Drake. A couple of months back, and that one is that one is from three different points of view, and they had three different actresses, or is it four? Okay, three or four, three or four. And that's does, typically not, but typically one though. Does that is that, that, that distracting, several. or does that enhance the experience? I actually liked it better because it was easier to tell where I was because, um, like 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 it's been mentioned, it's hard sometimes to like you you can't really go backwards very easily so you can't like go back a page to be like oh who's talking now so it was nice to have the different voice to know that it had shifted and about you know and if, you know about maybe a quarter of the way in I could recognize whose voice was whose so I found it was very helpful so I want to go to Kevin Kevin um when you are reading from multiple points of view how um, is that reflected in the narration? Well, pretty much it's, it's written into the book. Um, uh, I would ask the same question of those, those little uh, uh, letters on the page. How, how do you know from reading those letters that, that you've changed point of view? And it's the, the authors do a masterful job of, of setting up those points of view. Um, well, so I guess what I'm asking is that, how do you narrate it? Well, what I'm saying is, how do you how do you actually narrate it? Do you change the tone or timbre uh, of your voice? 
Um, that's what I meant. I, I, I realize what you're saying, that the dialogue should be a, a good decider on on how, um, you know, which character voice you're speaking in. But, but as the narrator, are you changing um, your voice to meet the character? So, so, so yes, but it, it depends. Um, if it's third person, um, the narrator is the narrator. I'm not Just narrator reader, me, right. but narrator right. uh, in sure. the, of, of the book. The narrator right. is the narrator throughout. Right. So there's no need to change in a third-person book. Um, there's no need for that narrator to change because he's been the same one regardless of whose um, you know, head you were floating over uh, in a given chapter. Um, but any time there's um, the emotion of a character, um, mm-hmm. it, 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 it tends to be more about the emotion, to me anyway, tends to be more about the emotion that they're feeling than about their, uh, their tone of voice. Interesting. Natasha, tell me about your audiobook experiences, the, the pluses and the minuses. Well, I guess um, the pluses, obviously, is I'm able to read because I can make use of the time that I have, um, sure. you know, in the car and, and walking the dog. Um, minuses, well, audiobooks take a lot longer sometimes if you don't speed mm-hmm. it up. Now, I've heard that some people speed up the, the and I haven't ex- experimented with that. Maybe I will. Um, but audiobooks um, take a lot longer for me to read, quote unquote, than mm-hmm. um, sit down and, and read the book. But I just don't have a lot of time to put my face in the book these days. So Sure. So, Tori, let's talk about that because um, you are a multitasker. I know you are. I am not. I have five things on my list at any one time, and I don't do them all at the same time. Uh, So what are the speed bumps for you? And do you set your book on a faster pace? Because I know you're a very busy person. Or do you prefer the length of the audiobook? Um, I've only ever sped it up once, and that just had to do with a particular narrator. Um, like Kevin, I come from a theater and a television broadcast. Um, I've done voiceovers. Right. I've done Broadway television film, and I do some narration. So it is really, really important for me that it is narrated exceptionally well. So when I'm choosing whether I'm going to read a book or whether I'm going to listen to a book, I always listen to the samples. There are some people who have voices that I simply am not going to be listening to um, for some reason or another. They just don't, they don't gel with me. I don't want to hear them. Sure. Um, sure. And then there are others who are absolutely riveting. It's like um, I, I have to say that for me it is not a cold experience at all. A well-narrated book is exciting. And I can give you a couple of examples. The Hate You Give. Please do by Angie Thomas, narrated, and I'm going to botch up her name, by Bonnie Turpin, was one of the most engrossing audiobooks that I listened to. It, I had to stop what I was doing and just, uh, I, I found myself taking way too long to do my tasks just so I could keep reading. I mean, I'm listening, it, it was incredible. And then when I saw the movie, it was like, well, it was like the audio book with, with pictures. It was that vibrant. Mm-hmm. Artemis by Andy Weir with Rosario Dawson. Um, yes. Anything narrated by, by Ray Porter. 
you know, it's like right. there are certain there are certain books that just are are astounding, and then you get these collaborations that go on where you have a full cast for the president is missing uh, by Bill Clinton and mm-hmm. uh, James Patterson or uh, Dracula also had a huge cast and and some of these books they just they can completely uh, steal me and my attention away to the point where it's like, oh, my gosh, I just have to get through them because now I can't get to my own writing. <laughs> I can't do, I can't do my work because they've just stolen my attention. It's crazy. So for me, a, well, a well-narrated book is not a cold experience. It is hot, hot, hot. Um, and so that's, that's the strong part. Um, I also have dumped a lot of narrated books. Because it was just, um, as I think, uh, Natasha, I think it was you who said they're slower. Um, so you can't, you can't skim over parts. That, you know, sometimes you read a book and you're just kind of like, yeah, whatever, sure. you know, let me get through this. You, you, it's hard to do that in an audio book um, because they take so long. And so uh, sometimes I'll speed up the volume, but inevitably I just end up bailing on that book. And so that's... You know, that's one of the downsides. Do you have a preference, Peter, for a female narrator versus a male narrator, or does it matter, or should it matter, even more importantly? Oh, well, I forget the order of the questions. Uh, as it happens, maybe it reflects the uh, the choice of the books that I read. The, uh, the great majority, uh, by far, uh, have been male narrators, uh, mm-hmm. and actually one book, one book that I listened to, a novel by Jim Thompson, had uh, two. Well, do we call them narrators? Do we call them readers? Do we call them performers? I think that's an interesting I question. But, but Kevin, yeah, you, well, well let's the, have Kevin answer that. What do we? Oh, sure, what do we call sure. you? It, what it, do we call it you? It varies depending on who you're asking the question of. Um, I, I would say narrator. Okay. All right. There you go, Peter. Well, I would be well. In in this case, one of the three uh, presenters uh, was uh, one was two men, uh, one woman, uh, mm-hmm. who had a wonderful voice. But it was just the distraction for me was the three narrators. You you asked. I very much prefer uh, one uh, one narrator, and that is when I start thinking. When I hear a gifted reader, a gifted narrator, able through through these subtle shifts of of voice and tone and intonation, Mm -hmm. just give different voices to the characters without going over in over the top as as some do. Sure, I have yeah, I have great respect, and this might be one. I don't know where where this would fit in into your questions. This was some nice interplay between uh, the media, uh, the 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 two media of audiobooks and regular books. Adrian McKinty, who is an author you ought to be uh, reading anyway. He's been uh, on the show. He's great. Yeah. uh, yeah, The audio versions of his books are narrated by Jared Doyle, who is so good that I have bought books strictly because it's Jared Doyle narrated them. And Adrian says that he, in, in some of his books, he will 
when he's writing them, will sneak characters with deliberately difficult accents <laughs> into them just to see what he can force Jared Doyle into doing. So that's, that's a nice interplay, and the, res- the result is wonderful on both sides, I think. Um, Kevin, I want to go back to you as the narrating professional here, and then I want to ask Tori the same thing. Um, uh, how long does it take you to narrate a book? An average book nowadays is about 300 pages or 75,000 to 80,000 words. Um, is, there, is there an average length of time? Now, I recognize that books that are dialogue heavy might be different you might have to narrate them differently than books that are more flowery or literary that don't contain as much dialogue but um what is the average time it takes for you to narrate yeah so not so much for the reasons you just gave them i I find that okay um they're they're miraculously similar regardless of of content so really uh, a, a a nonfiction true crime uh, versus uh, uh, shoot 'em up adventure um, ends up taking about the same amount of time per hour of you know the finished hour the finished length of the, of the book. I usually figure about a week per book. Forty hours a week, do you think? Yep, yep. And it I, you know I can change that. I can. There are there are those crush weeks that require. Um, you know, uh, a, a little more to be produced, and then there are the weeks sure. that maybe I've got a little extra time. So, so Tori, you when read you a book narrate, beforehand. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So oh, I'm question. Saying, Go ahead, your guests are saying such such interesting things. I was not Please take Kevin the conversation. Or who, yeah. <laughs> is uh, do you when you're narrating a book, do you read it through first to get a grip on it before you then go into the studio for the narration? Absolutely. Always, and the the word always mm-hmm. is in all caps. It's absolutely <laughs> always. Mm-hmm. Interesting, Tori. Yes. Do, do well, I, you know what? I would love to ask Kevin a question because <laughs> Go right the majority ahead. of my uh, voiceover work had to do with television and film, kind of back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Right. And um, uh, I love. I love giving performance readings, and I call them that because that's that's how I look at them. And I've done a little bit. Let, let of, me just uh, let me just interject here and say you have to go to YouTube and see Tori at a book reading uh, because she's actually <laughs> acting it out. She's not sitting behind a desk and just reading. She's creeping around. She's crawling. Her hands are moving. It's really fun to watch her at book signings. So ask she's your question, She's hanging Tori. from rafters and. Yep. <laughs> oh, this is great. Uh, uh, so, Kevin, for this reason, um, I will probably um, explore at least with some things. Uh, most certainly, my nonfiction and very possibly uh, some of the fiction uh, narrating uh, my own. I don't really have uh, much of uh, interest at this point in going into the business of narrating in general. So I'm very interested, do you produce your own or do you work with someone? Do you have a studio that you go to or yes. do you have a home studio? Ask that. Yep, I've got, oh, got sorry, my own Pam. studio. Yep, That's my okay. own studio. Great. I've had it for um, 20 years. Um, and really? the the voiceover work and, and narration work that I did prior to this 
you know, demanded that same kind of equipment, same kind of, of structure. Um, mm-hmm. So this was just a, you know, a new use for that same structure. Um, um, but when, when I'm working with independent, independently published books, um, I'll do all the production. When I'm working with a publisher, uh, I send them um, sort of edit-ready material. It's, it's clean, but it hasn't, um, it hasn't had the magic applied to it yet. And they're in uh, chapter segments, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I was curious I, because when I was doing the Empowered Living uh, podcast for Pam's fantastic Authors on the Air Global Radio <laughs> Network, um, after 57 of those podcasts, I started to learn a thing or two about editing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So anyway, thank you for thing, your it? – oh, it's wonderful. So I want to ask um, a couple other questions from from uh, Natasha. Let's have you come step up to the mic here. Um, Natasha, you also do a podcast that is not part of our network. Uh, your podcast is about reading your book, and I think it's a very worthy endeavor. Um, have you listened to other authors read their own books? So actually, no, I've, I've, I don't think it's something that authors are doing a lot. Um, I think, you know, obviously I'm not a professional narrator and I kind of give that caveat up front when I'm reading my own book, but um, my niece and nephew think I'm pretty good. So, (laughs) um, there you go. (laughs) And um, the, the, the impetus was I knew that audio was getting big. I, I know my own life and how busy I am. And a lot of my colleagues in the Pentagon and elsewhere in D.C. have all said, oh, I want to read your book, I want you to read your book, but I have no time, I'm so sorry. And so it got me to thinking, I really want to get this book in audio ASAP, and I didn't really um, think it was a good idea to go into producing an audio book without first kind of making sure that my series has promise and whatnot. So I thought, why don't, why don't I do it myself? And so what I do is I kick off with a bit of technology news. So I give kind of my expert take on emerging technology for about five or six minutes. And then I read a chapter from my book and sometimes in the, at the back end, I go into some behind the scenes stuff. So I, I have, I have pretty decent, like small following, um, but I think it's going to pay off in the long term. So I kind of have oh, yeah. a long game in mind mm. for marketing my right. book um, as right. I did it. Right. So I think that is brilliant. You're going to and hear there's an Natasha. author. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You're, no, you're going to hear Natasha, like I said, in this network coming up in um, in the spring. Go right ahead, Tori. Continue. Uh, Natasha, you are on a brilliant marketing um, path that Scott Sigler, I don't know if you know him, yes. uh, New York Times bestselling you know, uh, sci-fi thriller author, he did a, a similar thing where I think it was every week he would record and release for free a chapter of whatever he was writing. And yep. it launched um, a career. And I think in the beginning he did it himself, and now I think – you know, it's segments from his audiobooks. But it worked for him, and boy, it sounds like you're doing a great thing. Mm. I sure Penny, uh, Penny yeah. um, do you have any of your books in audio? Not yet. I'm hoping to next year, though. Um, on the bricks will be first. Uh, hopefully in the spring, but I'm not sure yet. 
are waiting. So um, our publishers are writing to them. Do you also read ebooks or paper books, or do you exclusively listen yeah. to audiobooks? I do everything, any book delivery system I accept. Um, I have a Kindle, but I also read paper books and are hardback, and I also listen to books. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not loyal to any one method. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Peter, what, what are your thoughts on where marketing and, and authors and audiobooks are? Oh, probably they're, they're right here because I'm having to improvise them at, at the minute. Oh, I mean, mm-hmm. I just don't think in those, uh, in those practical, practical terms i suppose the the i mean i don't know anything such as as the example that that was just given i don't know of any authors who have done um promotion strictly relating to their audio versions i suppose the the only so the closest thing is that mckinty example that i just gave i don't know what authors think of what publishers think of well, let's do this. I don't know if anybody's listening that wants to talk to our panel, but the call-in number is 347-633-9609. That's 347-633-9609. Kevin, um, I'm going to ask a hard question, a difficult question, um, I think, but, but and you are welcome not to answer it, but is it expensive to, to hire you to narrate my book? It can be, um, especially compared to, um, you know, after an author has already gone through the formatting and um, art acquisition to put a um, ebook or, or paperback book together, um, oh. to then, you know, have to hire another company, as it were, to uh-huh. produce uh, to produce an audiobook. It can be, and that's one of the things that. Historically, I mean, decades ago, 20 years ago, um, kept the number of audiobooks that were produced every year, kept them down because it was sure. really expensive. You know, you had to have a director, you had an audio engineer, you had to, to right. maintain the studios. Then you brought in the actor to do his work. Then you'd have a, a, a producing engineer uh, to do the mastering on the book later, and you'd have proofers that would go through and, and make sure that wow. the, the actor adhered to so th- that has streamlined – streamlined is not a good word – that has uh, shrunk. Um, the, only the big houses still do you know, that kind of staff on a book. Um, wow. Uh, quite often on a, a book that I'm producing, I'm, I'm it. I'm, I'm the whole I'm the You're whole, the whole thing. Yeah. And so there, it's, it's a lot less than it used to be. Um, but it's still, you know, it's it's it is a it's a cost, and and uh, predominantly because of what you asked about how long it takes to do a, a book. If it's sure. taking, you know, a week or more of of someone's full time um, someone's full time work, and then we outsource, you know, uh, talked about the proofer that goes along, you know, after me to make sure that I have, you know, said every word in this book in the order that they were presented to me. Um, mm-hmm. And then that then have to go back in and make the edits that uh, Peter you mentioned, um, and and I will tell you that uh, that those of us who do this full time, uh, we can make the edit without it being noticeable at all. 
Um, so that you know that part of it um, you know, can, can can be handled. So Tori, I have a question for you too, since you're the the big the all around all you've got your left and right brain firing at all times. Um, do you recall a few years back that in ebooks some authors were putting video clips and music clips in their ebooks? And it I was do. A, a, it mm. was a spectacularly woeful project that failed in a spectacular <laughs> way. It just didn't work. <laughs> And uh, I think now, when I read e- when I'm reading an ebook, particularly and even a, a paper book, there will maybe be a song list, you know, that you can go to Spotify and and or one of your wherever you get your music from, and you know, and that's fine. And um, I understand that. Are any audiobooks musically scored? Is there a score in any of them? I've I've uh, listened to quite a few that um, will have like little snippets of music entering a particular uh, section of the book, sometimes underlying a particular moody place. But uh, it's sparse, and it's very um, uh, carefully chosen. Interesting. Yeah, some um, of Walter Penny... Mosley's... Oh, oh. Go right ahead, Peter. Sorry, some of, some of Walter Mosley's books have... Just nice little snippets of jazz uh, yeah, introducing the jazz section. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's very well. So I suppose, based on my experience, it's like anything. Well, not like anything else, but it should be done sparingly, and done sparingly, it can work very well. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, I'm thinking, you know, there I go now. Um, Tori obviously has a huge connection to film and television uh, besides just yourself and I think oftentimes the sitting in a movie theater where a score overwhelms a, a, a whole thing I can't hear anything I can't hear dialogue and it pulls me out of the the experience immediately so that's why I was wondering if there was music Penny have you listened to books that have music in them none that were particularly heavy on the music I don't believe like maybe a little uh-huh. bit at the beginning, and then maybe um, in uh, like between act breaks, I believe, like just a little bit of transitional music. But I, that, that's the only thing I can think of at the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to kind of you've been a marvelous panel and have certainly told me that yes, I do have to listen to an audio book. <laughs> what are the ways, Tori? that you listen to audiobooks. Uh, I mean, do you get an MP3 file, a, 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 like a flash drive? Do you oh. get um how how does one listen to an audiobook? I uh I get an Audible app for my phone. Mm-hmm. And then I put uh earbuds in or if I'm somewhere quiet, I just let it play through the phone. Interesting. Peter same, exactly the same. Um, Penny? Same, yeah. Um, you can use that in your car as well on your iPhone. And so either through my car speakers I have or if I'm oh, – I have sorry. no iPhone. I have a $99 Samsung POS, okay? So <laughs> I, I, don't, I can't have, do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not in my car. There's no MP3. But I could probably – I mean, I could probably do it off the phone like you're saying. I wish I, I could pump it through speakers. 
If you have an iPod, I believe it works on those too, though. I don't have one of those either. I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, as I long as your, <laughs> if your Samsung is a smartphone, it'll work. Oh, okay, good. Natasha, how do you yeah. listen to yours? Um, so I have two things to add, basically the same as everybody else, but there's also an OverDrive app, which it gives you access to um, free audiobooks uh, via your mm. local library. So basically oh, nice. you sign into your local library, I and I always go there first to make sure I'm not misusing my Audible credits to make sure that there, you know, is there a book I can download on audio there? And then I'll go to them first. Sometimes there's a waiting list, but it's really not a big deal. Let's and then also that, something give we... Me that, wait a minute, Natasha, before you move on to the next thought. Give me that, yeah. the mm-hmm. name of that again. It's called Overdrive. It's called Overdrive. And it's an app that you download onto your phone. And then you plug in your library information. And then once you do that, you put in your card ID number. Hmm. And then you have access not only to the full ebook inventory, but also the full audiobook inventory. It's just that I listen to audio, right. so I always filter and um, I always search there first. Okay. Wow. And your second Thanks. thought. Your second, that's great. Your second suggestion? So, well, the second thing that is kind of uh, more futuristic is that with Audible, you can listen to audiobooks on your Alexa or your other um, home device. And that means you can actually listen to audiobooks with other people. And I've never done it before, um, but it's a new way, I think, of experiencing a book. We, you, when we read a book, it's a solitary activity. But if you're yes. listening to a book on, on an Alexa, it becomes a social activity. Yeah, I don't know if I, I want to mm. listen to have other people on my Alexa. Mm. No. <laughs> oh, no, off Alexa. She just heard her name and turned on. <laughs> off Alexa. Oh, my God, my Alexa turned on because she heard my name. She's very sensitive. Um, <laughs> I think everybody in the world ought to go out and adopt a dog and call all the dogs Alexa. Just just start <laughs> back in technology. And this is why Peter is the king of noir at the bar. He's the troublemaker in the group. Um, final thoughts. Let's take it from the top of the panel. Penny, what do you want people to know about audiobooks? What I want people to know about audiobooks is that sometimes, you know, just how when you, you know, the feeling of when you read just an excellent book that really stays with you for days and days and you think oh, yes. about it when you lay in bed at night, you're so excited and happy. When that happens with an audible book, an audiobook, it's, it's the same feeling of joy and wonder, but it's also a little bit more in your head, almost like seeing a movie, you know, you get, you can hear the voices, you can hear, you know what they actually sound like. And yeah, it's a very, it can be a very immersive experience. And with a great book, it's just a, it's a really great way to digest good work sometimes, you know, thank you. You, That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Natasha. Well, I mean, I think that listening to audio leads to a different experience. Um, I know that when I'm reading something visually, um, I'm engaging my analytical mind more. Um, But when I listen to an audio book, I actually engage my emotional mind more. And I think that's why if if the narration works and the book is good, it can lead to a more immersive experience than reading on a page. And it's, it's kind of interesting when you get into one. I think someone said you, you had to stop doing your task because you couldn't do it well enough because you were so immersed. That happens to me, too. When I'm really right. in it, um, I really have to sit down and just listen. 
Yeah. Um, Tori, your thoughts, because I know that was your thought with it. Um, I, I have always said when I read dialogue or read a book out loud, particularly anything by Pat Conroy, um, I always thought it just meant so much more to me. I took so, so much more away from the book. What are your mm. thoughts that you want to convey about audiobooks, Tori? Oh, I would say give it a try. What what you were just saying about reading your books, like when I'm writing, I'm always reading everything aloud. And when I think of my kids who are now adults, my eldest son, one of his fondest memories is me reading all the Harry Potter books. Mm-hmm. Because he said, I brought all the characters to life. And he was just, it, it was so special to him. And listening to audiobooks is like being that kid and having like a really talented parent just, just perform the heck out of them. And it's fabulous. So I would say, give it a try. Listen to the sample. You know, a lot of people, they like to spend, uh, you know, a lot of time saying, oh, I believe in this, but not that. I like this one, but not that. I'm an equal opportunity media person. I write. I read. I listen. I read on hardback, paperback, e-back. I watch movies. I watch. I binge on television. I see it all because it's the stories, and I love all the different ways they come at me. Yes. Um, Kevin, your thoughts as the narrator, what do you want listeners to take away from this show today? Well, I'm, I'm the narrator, but I'm also a fan. I, I listen. And, and um, I, I did not before I got into the business. Um, and I started listening sort of professionally because, you know, if you're a theater actor, you've got to go see plays. If you're a TV actor, you've got to watch television. If you're a movie actor, you've got to watch movies. So professionally, I needed to do it, um, but it wasn't very long before I started finding those narrators and those stories that just absolutely sucked me in. I mean, I was uh, – somebody mentioned Ray Porter. I just – I think the that guy was walking me. on water. <laughs> right. um, yeah. he, he's absolutely one of my favorites, and, um, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll look for books that, that he's narrated. Um, Have you know listened to 14? Have you listened yes. to his book, 14? Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh, right? Yeah, it's, it's Holy amazing. cow. Yeah, it's astounding. amazing. But, so um, it, it, it is a, it, it's a definite um, entertainment experience, Pam, that um, you know, mm-hmm. consuming an audiobook, much as consuming a book um, or, or, or reading it on a Kindle. Um, but it is, it is different. And I think um, you know, companies like Audible are finding that um, we do follow certain narrators. I know I have um, not, not on uh, not on Ray Porter's level, but I knew I, I know I do have people who will who will follow me to find a, a, a book that I've narrated. Mm. And and so Audible has much much as they've done on on Amazon with their author pages, they've at least started giving um, you know, a, 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 a searchable listing on Audible. Uh, okay. Audible.com slash Kevin Pierce. Audible.com. You, you know Kevin what, Pierce. Kevin? I just up. searched you. Uh, it's yeah. incredible your body of work. Yeah, it's, there's um, a lot I there. Just, and, uh, before we, we and, go and to most website. of it, I mean, my my uh, sort of hot spots for the past several years have been post-apocalyptic science fiction. How I got there, I have mm. no idea. But 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 boy, am I there. Um, okay. And uh, true crime is the other um, just really hot genre for me. Um, and I love them both, and they're completely different. Um, one's nonfiction, one's fiction. Um, one's got multiple characters in it. The other is primarily the narrator 
telling the story. Um, but it's a it's a it's a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful career. And uh, we were talking about do you, do you change um, approaches depending on points of view. I, I'll tell you this that Peter, uh, I, mean, uh, will Kevin... say, I, I I really you you got me there. You, you made me cry. And hold I, on, know right where, just, I know right Kevin, where hold that thought. Hold that thought for just a second. I I sure. have to get Peter in because he's got to go back to work. Yeah. Peter, you're. What do you want people to know about audiobooks? And also tell us where oh. we can find you in um, on the webs. Well, I'm uh, I'm on Facebook, and you can hear me rant and, and see some of those <laughs> photographs you were kind enough to mention. Uh, I have a book. Yeah, I have, thank you. I have a book, uh, a blog called Detectives Beyond Borders, but it's it's kind of moribund now. Uh, I've had that for twelve years. Uh, but uh, okay, what do I want readers to know to know about audiobooks? Well, first mm. of all, I still don't know whether to call them readers. I still don't know whether to say I, I read an <laughs> audiobook. But yeah, go ahead and and cry it. I mean, there are ways. You can join Audible and cancel your membership. Enjoy them for the experience, but also if, if one tends to reflect on one's own experience, you begin to make some of the observations, like the one I mentioned, pronunciation, yep. uh, regional mm-hmm. accents. All. So it's, it's an educational experience as well as, uh, as well as entertainment. And, yeah, now I think I do have to bid everybody good night. So I look Peter, thank you I, for being with us, um, and really appreciate your time and your and your uh, insights to audiobooks. This is Kevin Rozovsky. You can find him on Facebook. Google his name if you have to, and go definitely look at his photos. Thank you, Peter, and I hope you have a nice evening. Peter, and thanks to all of you. Okay. All right. Good night. Um, I want to start at the top one more time. Penny, tell us where we can find you. We've only got a few seconds left, so. Tell us where we can find you on the webs and social media. Sure. Okay. I have a blog. Um, the address is scapegoatsandsacredcows.com, all one word. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm on um, Twitter, P. Jo- P. Jones Writer, and Facebook, Penny Jones. I am the author of On the Bricks and Cricket, both by Panda Moon Publishing, and something coming out next year that I haven't titled yet. All right, you're going to talk to me when it's time for you to get your book out, right? Um, Natasha, tell us where we can find you. Yeah, you can can find me at uh, www.natashabajema.com. And I'm also, I have um, print books, uh, Bionic Bug and Project Echo on Amazon, and right now in e-books, e-book versions on Kobo. Very good. Um, Kevin, I just pulled up your page in audiobooks. So is that the best place for everyone to find you? It is. That, you know, Facebook, I'm Kevin Pierce, but, but the, 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 the work, the, the stuff that I would hope anyone would listen to is audible.com slash Kevin Pierce, and it's P-I-E-R-C-E. Very good. Tori, uh, let's have your details, please. Uh, you can find me at ToriEldridge.com. That's T-O-R-I-E-L-D-R-I-D-G-E. And you can find all the social media through there. Connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'd love it. 
And please go to Tori's podcast, Empowered Living Radio, which you can listen to in SoundCloud. It is absolutely one of the best podcasts that you'll listen to. So well done that um, I used to say that Tori sounded like NPR and my show sounded like Funny Farm. So I want to thank my (laughs) wonderful guests who are here tonight who taught me all about audiobooks, and I hope they you learned something as well. I wish all of you a wonderful, happy, joyous, and fabulous Thanksgiving. I am grateful to you all. Have a nice evening, everybody. Listeners, thank Thank you for being with me. And thank you, Mom and Dad. Good night, everyone. (laughs) 